0: From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Father God, uh, Lord, we are <clears throat> humbled. We are grateful. Um, Lord, to just to wake up this morning, I, I hope we are, Lord. Um, God, we take that for granted. Uh, Lord, um, I'm humbled to be able to open your word and um, just to be able to declare, thus saith the Lord. And and God, I pray, Lord, that you would protect my heart and my lips from complacency and nonchalant approach to such a a high calling, Lord. And I don't say that pridefully, Lord, but for anyone to open up this book and declare your word. God, I pray that you would just keep us in the bounds of rightly dividing this book um, and, and rightly hearing this book, Father. And by that, I mean, I pray that it would not just stop. At the gate of our brains and our ears, Lord, but that it would seep into the soil of our hearts, that it would take root. God, that it would change our lives, not just for our lives, Lord, but for your glory, for your namesake. Lord, you are all about your namesake and your glory. And so I pray, God, that this morning, this Christmas season, this year coming up in 2018, that we, Lord, would be all about your name and for your glory and your praise, so Lord, meet us here this morning. You are welcomed here. Uh, you are invited here, Jesus. You are expected here. Lord, we, uh, I pray that we would roll out the red carpet uh, for you to just to walk down and, and flex your muscles, Lord. Show off, glorify yourself, magnify your word in our midst in our lives. Father, we love you. We praise you, we need you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about uh, Christmas tree. I don't know if you have any, I'm sure you do, maybe have some traditions going on in your house, maybe through the years around a Christmas tree. Any artificial Christmas tree people out there? Maybe more and more as the years go by, any real Christmas tree people? Yeah, that's been April and I for, any no Charlie Brown or tabletop Christmas tree people? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That was April and I for a few years too. Any no Christmas trees? Any Scrooges or Grinches out there? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But everyone has a Christmas tree kind of tradition, I guess, um, for the most part. I remember when I I was a kid growing up, me and my my sisters, my, my my. Mom's grandfather, right, so my great-grandfather, we would always go over to his house for Christmas lunch on Christmas Day, but we'd also, uh, a few days early, go decorate his tree, and he always waited until, I think, December 23rd to buy a Christmas tree, it was always like the day or two before Christmas that he would just wait. I guess maybe because they were on sale or he just didn't want to fool with it. But we would always go over there uh, before Christmas Eve, a day or two before when he bought the tree and uh, we'd all decorate it. And um, that was just such a cool time. I always look forward to doing that. But um, maybe you're kind of wondering if the Christmas tree does really play a role in the biblical narrative or in the life um, of, of Christ or in our walk, with Christ even today. Um, A lot of people uh, take a very strong stand against the Christmas tree. Um, They'll go to passages like Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, verses 2 and 4, where it says, "'Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the conclusion of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers <clears throat> that it move not. And just to kind of add an, an echo to some, sometimes, you know, this sentiment or this perspective around the Christmas tree, um, John Hitton, a PhD, wrote of this, his commentary on this, and he just said, this is a clear and glaring warning against this pagan holiday and the wicked time of commercialism and materialism that it has become. The Christmas tree is a blatant affront to God, but many, if not most, professed Christians put one up. And to that I would say, bah humbug. Um... Unless you are, and I think Pastor Frank has echoed this in the past, unless you are out taking your Christmas tree and decking it as a, as a false idol and a god and worshiping it and, and bowing before it and sacrificing unto it and all of those things, um, I think we're okay if you wanted to put up a Christmas tree because that's what Jeremiah was talking about if we look at that context. But while the Christmas tree is probably one of the most recognized artifacts or, or, or symbols of the Christmas season, we have to wonder, do we see that anywhere in the Scripture? Do we see any traces of it, any hints of it? And I want to submit to you this morning that we do, that we do see um, the, a biblical or a true Christmas tree. And, and this is kind of where we're going to pick up in our notes this morning, if you have that in front of you, and are able to jot a few things down if you would like. We're actually going to go all the way back to the garden, because the first tree that we visit in Scripture is the tree of life. The first tree that we visit in Scripture is the tree of life. And if you've been around us for any length of time, um, you know about the law of first mention. And uh, when it comes to Bible study, uh, we as Bible students should be very um, active proponents of, of such, such a rule. Um, but Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us that the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so before God gave Eve to Adam as his companion and love in life, there was the gift of a tree, Okay, there was the gift of a tree, and it seemed apparent that God gave direct instructions to Adam concerning this tree. Now, we, we know how that ended up, but when we look at the tree of life, there are three things specifically that God tells us about this tree that we, I, I would submit to you, would um, really do well to glean the, this in this day and age. Um, Three things, because this tree is more than just a tree. Um, Anytime God names something, our ears should should perk up. Anytime he echoes or repeats something in his word, right? But there are three things that are said of this tree. Number one, uh, the tree was in the middle of Eden, which is Adam's home, right? The tree was in the middle of Eden, We saw that in uh, Genesis chapter 2 in verse 9, where it says, the tree of life also, in verse 9, in the midst of the garden. So the tree was in the midst of the garden. It was in the middle of Eden. Number two, we see that this tree was edible, and it was able to sustain life, Okay. It was edible and able to sustain life. We see this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. And um, I, I hope, I, I do hope uh, you're able to jot some of these down. Um, they may be on there for you. I'm not sure, I don't remember. Or just like the old days, like Chris is doing, open your Bible and look at it. That, that'd be amazing, right? But I, I wanted you to kind of track through this uh, to see what, what the Lord is doing here. In Genesis 2, 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Okay, so this tree was edible, uh, therefore able to sustain life. And then number tree, number tree, number three, this tree was spiritual and it was able to give eternal life. It was spiritual. Was it a real physical tree? Absolutely. But it was spiritual because it was able to give eternal life. We see that in Genesis 3, 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, here it is, and eat, eat what? Of the tree of life and live forever. Okay, so we see that this tree was in the middle of Eden, Adam's home. We see that this tree was edible therefore able to sustain life. And then number three, it was spiritual, and it was able to give eternal life. My friends, I want to submit to you this morning, if you, don't, if you haven't already kind of pictured this, that this tree of life is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I, I want us to, to not just wrap our minds around that, but, but, but our hearts, because there are some things that we see of this tree that we see of Christ as well. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who dwelt in the midst of his people. Just as the tree of life dwelt in the midst of Adam's home, it is Christ who dwelt in the midst of his people. Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, the Lord says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. And that's so important because in John chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse 14, we read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is so beautiful in verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So in Exodus, God says that I, through this tabernacle that yet you build me according to the pattern in heaven, I am going to dwell with you. My presence will dwell with you. And then in the New Testament, in a very literal and spiritual sense, he came to dwell with us. He came to tabernacle with us. So it is Christ who dwells in the midst of his people, but it, also, it is also the Lord Jesus Christ who um, is able to sustain life, just like that tree of life. In John 10 and verse 10, Jesus tells us, "The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, he says, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And listen, I know, I know I tend to forget this. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is, is physically sustaining you right now and physically sustaining me right now. Colossians tells us for all things are made by him and for him and through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. It is only because of him that I can utter, move my lips and tongue to form comprehensible words to reach your ears and brain for you to understand. All that's going on because of him right now. But from a spiritual standpoint as well, it is he that gives life, and it is he that gives life through the cross, through his sacrifice, and through this book. He gives us that life. He also gives us eternal life, Romans 6:23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3:16 We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter 6, verse 52, we read that the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Speaking of Jesus. And Jesus says to them, "'Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the, at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed.' He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever, okay? And and we have to understand here, in the context of John chapter 6, I I have to say this, um, he, he, he is not preaching cannibalism, okay? He, he is not, and I'm going to say this to us in, in love, he is not telling us that when we even partake of the Lord's Supper, that's, that something is happening where that bread, which symbolizes his flesh, becomes his body. Okay, I, I want to implore you and encourage you humbly and lovingly to, to go, if you are from or of that mindset, to go back and check in the context of John chapter 6. Okay, when we drink that, 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 that wine or that juice as we do today, okay, it is not becoming his physical, literal blood. Okay, w- w- that is called transubstantiation, if you were curious. Um, and, and from a biblical standpoint, I, I would just want to lovingly tell you um, that is, that is dangerous. So, so, so um, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I don't want to get too far away from where we are, but just wanted to, can't, can't leave that without saying that. Uh, and then in verse, verse John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. We can know, y'all, that we have eternal life. Okay, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What is it that gives us that eternal life? It's He says it twice in verse thirteen, the name of the Son of God. Okay, so that tree of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then there's a second tree that we visit uh, in Scripture, also in Genesis two and verse nine. You're probably already ahead of me, and that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Also in Genesis 2 9. Um, and out, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we, we have to understand that the, this tree of knowledge is the antithesis of the tree of life, okay? Uh, it is the counterfeit of the true. Outwardly, it looks like a good tree. But hidden inside its fruit were the elements of death and defilement. There is much today, outside and inside the church, that looks like a good tree. Okay? When it comes to your Bible, there is lots out there that looks like a good tree. But inside... I'm not talking about the word that God has preserved for us, but I'm talking about counterfeits. It, it looks, it sounds, it feels spiritual, but it's not biblical. Preaching today from the pulpits, it looks and sounds and feels and maybe is spiritual, but it is not biblical. We see um, there are three things also that, that are said of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and so if you want to kind of just jot these down, if you're a, a blank Nazi, like I am, you want to get all your blanks. This tree, number one, was not good for food or sustaining life. It was not good for food or sustaining life. Genesis two seventeen. but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So it's not good for food or for sustaining life. Number two, this tree was death for those who ate from it. And we just read that in, in, at the end, the latter part of uh, chapter 2 and verse 17, that this tree resulted in death for those who ate from it. And then number three, um, man, this one trips us up, even those of us who are already in, under the tree of life. This tree promised a position of pride and power. It promised a position of pride and power. We read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, for God doth know this is the serpent, Talking, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So it promised them that that pride and that power. And listen, if if you haven't gotten it already, the tree of knowledge, y'all, is a picture of Satan. It is the antithesis. It is the counterfeit of the true, because it is Satan who offers empty and fulfilling sustenance often at our weakest points. Did you hear that? Listen, just like with Eve, it is Satan who offers empty and unfulfilling sustenance, often at our weakest points. Matthew chapter 4, we see that Jesus was led up to the, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, it was after he had fasted, after he was in close communion with the Lord, with the Father, after he was hungry, after from a physical standpoint he was weak, take note of that, the tempter came to him and he said, If thou, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here, it, here is Satan once again pulling out the same tricks from his arsenal as he did in the garden, offering this um, empty, unfulfilling sustenance even to God himself. It is Satan who brings death to those who partake of him. First John chapter three and verse eight: He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. And we see in 1 Corinthians fifteen verse fifty-five: O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is what sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And James chapter 1 and verse 5 kind of wraps it up for us. He tells us, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So if we can kind of just connect these verses here, the devil sinneth from the beginning, the sting of death is sin, 1 Corinthians 15, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death, James 1.15. It is Satan, just as the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that brings death to those who partake of him. And, and, and just time out real quick, um, don't, don't just bypass that like I tend to do because we're saved or we're church people and think that we can't or don't partake of the works of darkness. Okay, you this morning and I this morning, you can sit there and hear this this morning, I can stand here and preach this this morning, and be saved and partake and hang out under the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Partake of the works of darkness. Maybe, the, maybe you did this weekend. Maybe maybe, maybe you you will this week. Maybe maybe you didn't, I, I don't know. But we are not immune, we are not exempt from the works of darkness. We are saved, we are bought with a price, we are bought with his blood. But we are not exempt lest we walk in the spirit. And then finally, it is Satan who promises pride and power through the system of this world I want to take you back to Matthew four and read a few more verses there of that encounter between Satan and Jesus. Um, picking up in verse five he says it says, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So we're going to just pause right here for just a moment, and I want to submit to you, although Satan misquoted scripture, it was not by accident. It wasn't because he didn't know it. Okay, that, by the way, is a reference to Psalms, the book of Psalms. I want to say 91. I haven't validated that, but I think it's somewhere in, in Psalms 91 in that neighborhood. He 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 is quoting Scripture intentionally to deceive the Son of God. <sighs> if we are in a place this morning where getting in this book and knowing his words for ourselves is not a priority, then you I, I would just lovingly say, but but boldly say to you, you are in a very dangerous place, very susceptible to false doctrine and to deception, and to partaking of darkness and of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If these words are not, they are pure words, but if they are not pure words to us, if they are not more necessary than our physical food, than our necessary sustenance, And and listen, and as I say that to you, I love food. I haven't arrived, okay? But I wonder how many of us this morning, if the Lord Jesus Christ himself were to physically walk through those doors behind you and come down this aisle and turn around and look at all of us and say, those of you who regard my word as more necessary than your physical food. Stand up. I don't know. I'm not going to say that you will or will not be standing. I can only answer for myself. I can hope, Savannah, you're standing. That's awesome. I, I, I could hope that I would be standing, y'all. But I don't, I don't know. And, and I, do, I look around um, at the, the state of the church today, quite honestly, I look around at the state of this church, um, but, but just the church in general, and, and I have to say, I do not see many people that will, as in the days of the Old Testament, stand for hours just to hear the words of the Lord. Okay? We, we get, we get um, impatient because the Jags are going to be playing at one, or because it's lunchtime and time to go over to Golden Corral. Or we, we don't feel like coming in to hear the words of the Lord, because we, we, have, we have other things that we need to do or want to do. And we call it family time. We call it me time. We, we rationalize it. We're just balancing certain things and I'm afraid by doing that, we become our own interpreter of this book. We become our own Lord. We sit on the throne of our hearts, what he deserves to sit on. I don't want to get up early er than I have to. I get up early every single morning. But man, I will wait in a line at the jazz game for one of those kielbasa sausage hot dog things. I don't care how long I have to wait, Right? Robert, where where is your heart? Where are your affections? I I, I want to ask you. I don't want to get too far off, but I do want to ask you: How much time? How much time have you specifically spent in this book uh, this week? You can kind of just to yourself. I, I don't want to know. Can if you just kind of put a number in your head, hours or minutes or whatever, and and then can can you think with me? How how much time? Have you spent doing this with your thumb or, or, or hitting your Roku to get Netflix on and watching the next episode of Stranger Things, Fuller House, whatever? Listen, I, I love to relax, watch the game, you know, whatever, but it just makes me wonder where my heart is and where my affections are when when I can, I can put my flesh in cruise control and let it kind of lead the way instead of walking in the Spirit. Because I know one day I'm going to stand before him and he's not going to care how much of friends that I watch or how much of the office that I, that I watch. Like, I'll just be with you. I, l- I like to sit there and watch reruns of The Office. I'll do it. I'll do it. do I love to sit there and, and watch reruns, hear, hear, hear the spirit there, over and over this book. Well, I put things on hold to, 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 to eat of his words, like I will put things on hold so April and I can go to Jimmy John's. One of our favorite sub places, right? Any Am, amens? Okay. I, I'm just trying to, trying to look at my own life and, and and ask Robert why is there such a discrepancy between what you see here and then, Lord, what you might see here? Anyways, we're in Matthew four, and so that all came because Satan was quoting the word, and we need to be in the word. But he says in verse uh, seven, Jesus said, "It is written to him." Unto him, it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, Here it is, appealing to his pride and and power All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And listen, in this life, y'all, we are promised. We may not realize it, but we are promised comfort. We are promised security. And we are promised um, pleasures and, and enjoyment. Quite frankly, through, through sin, through through mediocrity, through laziness, we're, we're promised these things, and so many of us bow the knee. Uh, Pastor Frank and I were just talking this morning before service, um, and he mentioned it about men loving darkness rather than light, and I would love to stand among those that would say, "No, I love light more than darkness." but the only evidence of, of if that's true or not is to just look at my life. And, and I can't, you can't even do that because you don't know me from a day-to-day standpoint. I have to look at my own life, and, and he has to. This book is a mirror. First John two sixteen, he tells us the same thing. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so we see here that the fruit of the corrupt tree is the work of Satan. It was a tree that challenged the faith and obedience of Adam and Eve, and listen, it challenges our faith and our obedience every day. Some of us, actually, because we have chosen to equip ourselves we're less susceptible, we're walking in the spirit. Some of us, it's like we've been thrown in the front lines with no shield, no sword, no gun, no armor, because we have not clothed ourselves, we have not put on, we have not taken off and put on the new man. And men, men, I am going to talk to you for a second, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, I, I implore you, I'm not asking you necessarily. I'm telling you, you need to be at our men's ministry next month. You need to be in a place positioning yourselves to lead your wives, to lead your kids, or preparing yourself to lead your wife and lead your kids. I am going to go out on a limb and I am going to dare you, challenge you, and beseech you, if at all possible, stop letting excuses get in the way of being at discipleship training. Stop letting excuses get in the way of being there on Thursday nights. I'm not all about legalism. I'm not trying to say we need to follow the rule book, but we do need to follow the book. Stop. And and, and the words are bouncing off the walls and hitting these ears too, so I'm, I'm with you. Stop letting excuses get in the way of loving this book, of being in this book. So these two trees, we're going to stop here before we go to the third one. These two trees here are a picture we're going to pick up in your notes right here. Uh, We see them as a picture of wisdom, actually. These two trees we see as a picture of wisdom. Uh, The tree of life represents the wisdom of the word of God. I believe that that's your blank. The tree of life represents the wisdom of the word of God. And the tree of knowledge represents the wisdom of the God of this world. Two trees, two types of wisdom. And I want to illustrate these for you. i love allow the Lord to illustrate these for us uh, in his word. Um, take you to a couple passages. Uh, the first one will be on the screen. That's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read a handful of verses there, and I want you to listen. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1.17, and I want you to listen to the dichotomy, to the conflict, to the um, description uh, of, of the types of wisdom that we see in 1 Corinthians 1, and, and try to place that within the context of these two trees, and do so from a personal application. 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent." where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom." But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews' assembling block and unto the Greeks' foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And just if you could just see the, the, the two types of wisdom that we see depicted there, the wisdom of this world That ultimately comes from that tree of knowledge. And in the wisdom of God, which the world will tell you is foolishness. But I'm so glad that God chooses foolishness to confound the wise. I also want you to go to Proverbs chapter 2. These verses, David, will not be up there. I want you to turn there if if you can. Um, We're going to read um, the whole chapter. It's not that long. Uh, but man, it's so powerful, so packed, and so rich, we, we just can't not read it. Um, but Proverbs chapter 2, we actually see illustrated with us, or for us, um, again, these two trees, um, these two types of wisdom. And uh, you'll, you'll probably start, I'm going to go ahead and just share with you, you'll start seeing a break somewhere around verse 12, you'll see a shift. But But wrap your hearts around this with me. Proverbs chapter 2, he says, My son, if thou wilt, and in these first four verses, I want you to take note of the verbs, the, the, the action that is commanded of us when it comes to the wisdom of God, which we know is Christ, which we know is the word. My son, if thou wilt, receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Okay, so Lord, I get the first verse. I I can receive your words. I can go to church on Sundays when I'm not doing something. I, I can do that. Hide my word commandment with thee. Okay, so I memorized some verses in Iwana a long time ago. So I that I can okay, I, I kinda can do that. But then he says to incline thine ear unto wisdom and, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, and I wonder, Robert, when was the last time you cried after knowledge? I'll cry out when, 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 when the gators are winning or when I get upset or angry at something. When, when my wife is in danger or a member of my family it may be in harm, I'll cry out. Do we cry out after knowledge and do we lift up our voice for understanding, oh God, where are the prayers that say, oh God, please impart your wisdom unto me and your your knowledge and understanding. I I can't and I don't want to live this life without you and without it. Where are those prayers? Verse four, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. And again, I want to ask us, Men especially, but, but all of us, we will break our backs on the job. I have no doubt. We will work like crazy to get that bank, to get that promotion, to get that raise, to get that bonus, to get that power, to get that esteem, to fit in, to make ends meet. And, 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 and fine, But how many of us have sought just after we seek after that money for our jobs through our jobs? How many of us are seeking for these words as silver, as money? Like, are these? And maybe to you, I'm just beating a dead horse, and you're like, Robert, get over, get over this, and get off your soapbox. I'm not going to, because this is so important. I'm realizing more and more the days are short, the days are dark. We are prey to a Laodicean selfish mindset and way of life. And by we, I just mean the church. And searches for her as for hid treasures. Then, he says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, there it is, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. What comes out of his mouth? Knowledge and understanding through what comes out of our mouth? Words. Through his word. Verse 7, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of the, the, paths of the judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. It doesn't just come through osmosis then you will understand it. When wisdom, verse 10, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee and understanding shall keep thee. And here's the shift. Here's that other tree. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they and they froward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide and of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death. This is the fruit of the other tree, all and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. So I, I want to ask us this morning, what tree are we investing most time with? What, what tree are we giving ourselves to more often? And listen, to bring this home today for us, do note that, and I think it's in your notes here, we'll pick back up, in the Bible, humanity is likened to trees. We see in Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man that walketh not on the counts of the ungodly, because he tells us in verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In Mark chapter 8, a man healed by the Lord said, as he received his sight, I see men as trees walking. The Lord Jesus said to us in Matthew 7, in verse 17 and in verse 20, even so, every good tree bringeth forth fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. In the context, he's talking about our lives. And in verse 20, he says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And even today, we have this vernacular where we are likened to trees. If we lose an arm, we say that we have lost, lost a limb. Uh, when we discuss a man's torso, we refer to his trunk, maybe. Uh, at the time our kids are old enough to leave home and start their own life, we say that they have left the nest. When we talk about our family history, we discuss our family roots. Um, if you have a family member who is a few bricks shy of a load, we might call them a nut. When we uh, comprise a genealogy of our family, uh, we call it a family Tree, right? So let's not miss that. Ultimately, we are biblically, uh, practically today in our in our language, we, we, we're we're likened to trees. But unfortunately, we are all dead trees in need of God's gift of salvation, which can transform us into the living trees of righteousness. And this is where I want to introduce you, if you don't know Him already, to this third tree. The third tree we visit is the righteous branch. Is the righteous branch. Adam's race needed the tree of life to live forever. God removed it from Eden, excuse me, God removed him from Eden because of his disobedience, but his plan was still to redeem, was still to save, and he does so through a righteous branch. This Redeemer would be both man and God, a true connection to the tree of life, and prophetically, beautifully, 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the branch was foretold by the prophet Jeremiah. In uh, Jeremiah 23, 5, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, capital B, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. He will execute judgment and justice in the earth. 600 years before Christ. And from Zechariah and Isaiah, we know him to be the servant of God. Uh, he's called the branch of the Lord. Um, in Zechariah 3:8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men excuse me, for they are men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Isaiah 4 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. And listen, 500 years before the birth of Jesus, Zechariah gave more prophecies about this branch. In chapter six and verse 12, he says, behold the man whose name is the branch. He tells us that he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be a priest upon his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. Listen, this man that we read about this branch would be born and he would grow up having a specific place. We read about Luke chapter two and verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And and is it any wonder this Jewish carpenter who worked with lumber, who worked with wood as the righteous branch, he was reminded almost daily, I imagine, why it was that he was sent to this earth. He would conquer the corrupt tree that was led, that has led so many to spiritual death, spiritual confusion, spiritual apathy. And that's why he came, born of a virgin, prepared as an offering for the sin of humanity. And we'll close with this. Jesus himself said in John 18, verse 37, to this end was I born. We were just talking about what Pastor Frank was just mentioning this. For this cause came I into the world. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus says specifically, if you want to know why I came, here it is. This is why I came. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. And listen, as, as we decorate our Christmas trees this year, as we pile presents <clears throat> underneath it, I, I just, I, I pray that I, would myself that I would lead my wife to do such, to, to pause and to ponder, to think, to praise him for the tree of life, for being the righteous branch, and for bearing my sins on a rugged tree, because First Peter chapter two and verse twenty four says that he bore on his own self our sins in his body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, but whose stripes ye were healed. Listen, he bore on, he bore the sins of you and me on that tree, not just because he had nothing better to do that day, so that we should live unto righteousness. So that we should live unto righteousness. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And, and let's just wrap it up this way. It's in your notes. The Lord Jesus embraced the tree of death and conquered it so that we might embrace the tree of life and live forever. And in this Christmas season, let us spend a little bit of time in front of our Christmas tree and remember the branch who brought us the gift of all, and, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and listen, before you fold the paper I put it in your Bible, um, Just if you're in that camp where you have not surrendered to the righteous branch, from a salvation standpoint, do know that it is our sin that separates us from his holiness, from his righteousness, from his presence. And it's only by yielding and submitting to him, to his work on that tree, on the cross, his shed blood, turning from our sin and putting our faith and our trust in him, dying to ourself and living unto him, submitting to him that we can have that. But listen, if you're in that place where you have done that, and you, 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 you know you are saved? Where are you camping out? Under which tree do we spend most of our time? What kind of wisdom? From which tree are we getting wisdom? Listen, there's a lot of wisdom that you can get on Facebook, the wisdom of the world. There's a lot of wisdom that we can get Even from from our parents and from our family members, right? We can get, quote unquote, wisdom from them. There's a lot of wisdom we can get from magazines and books and the news and all, whatever. But there's a godly wisdom that we can get from this book. And I don't know if you plan on trying to read your Bible in a year through next year, if you what you think about that or whatever, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. What matters is that we are staying plugged into the tree of life, to the wisdom of God through his word. Father God, I pray and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your, for your holiness, God, and your righteousness. I thank you for your grace and your truth. God, I know that I personally sometimes even just from a a ministry standpoint, can get so wrapped up in sermon prep that, that I even treat your word as maybe just a textbook to prepare something. But God, I pray that this Christmas, this upcoming year in 2018, God, that I and that we would daily sit at the foot of Jesus at the foot of the cross, bowing in reverence and humility before your word, begging you and asking you, imploring of you to do a work in our lives, to give us a love for this book, to give us a love for people, for souls. Lord, that you would speak your words unto us and that we would listen, that we would have ears to listen. God, I pray for the men in this church. God, I pray that you would slap us around. Hit us in the head with a two by four if you have to. Even cause a tragedy in our lives if that's what it takes to get us to the point to where we will submit to you daily. Lord, you are worthy of so much more than we bring you. I am sorry for that. Help me to camp out under that tree of life and get that wisdom from your word that I might be more like Christ and know you more and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Revealing a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor, Frank Salvaggio. Associate Pastor, Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, OneBaptistJacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjax.world.